Hello and welcome to Free America. I'm your host, Nick Yaya, and this is the Free America Podcast. Today is Sunday, January 24th, 2021, and this is episode number 27. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the destruction of America's middle and working classes and how the elite have now taken aim at our most vulnerable class, the homeless. But before we do that, I'd like to get a little business out of the way, along with Many of our viewers and listeners, I share in the excitement of our show continuing to grow. We're now reporting increasing numbers of downloads from all across the United States, as well as from all over the globe, from Valencia, California to Valencia, Spain, and from Berlin, Germany to Brisbane, Australia. As our viewership and listenership continues to grow, so does our opportunity to attract advertisers, but we're not quite there yet. So for now, we rely upon you our viewers and listeners, to support this podcast. So if you like what we're dropping into the mic, please consider supporting our show by visiting our website at freeamericapodcast.com, where you will find several ways in which you can contribute. Here at the top where it says more, if you click on that, you'll see a little contribute button. That'll take you to an area of the website where you can support Free America Podcast by becoming a Patreon supporter. That'll take you to patreon.com and you can make a donation that way. Then, of course, there's also other ways to support us by scrolling down to uh, uh, past our podcast apps and alternative social media and, and uh, video media to this little area right here for, uh, for support Free America at uh, PayPal. You can just click on that little PayPal button if you prefer to use PayPal as your means of making a contribution. We certainly would appreciate that. And there's also affiliate marketing. So we have several areas and in which you can participate. Now, what affiliate marketing is, is when you use any of these products or services, Free America is given a commission from, from the sale or use of those products or services. So we, we've chosen three different areas that we think will be of most benefit to you, one of them being personal finance. So we show you or they show you ways to get out of debt and to make more money, which are two very important things. You want to be fiscally healthy in times like these. You also want to be able to defend yourself and your family. So we have included a self-defense area uh, in which you can learn all different kinds of self-defense techniques for defending yourself and your family. And then we also want you to be healthy and fit. So we have a health and fitness area in which you can uh, find ways to lose weight and get in better shape, which is also very important during these times because uh, as a lot of people know, it, you know, when you're locked away in your house, you don't get out and the opportunity to do much exercise, your gym may be closed. You might not get the opportunity to get out and walk or jog or do a lot of things that you like to normally do. So take a look at these options and see if there's something that suits you. And of course, if you like it, just click on this red button here to learn more. And if you do decide to buy or use those services, of course, you will be helping Free America Podcast. Now, usually at this point, in the show, I would ask you to follow us on traditional social media platforms such as Facebook and Instagram. But as of two weeks ago, my personal account, as well as the account for Free America, uh, were disabled on both Facebook and Instagram. And I have no doubt that Twitter will soon be following. So to that end, I've set up alternative accounts for Free America at the social media sites Gab and MeWe, which you can see here. And... Um, on these sites, you can just click these buttons. It'll take you to the site where you can follow us. 
Um, and also due to our, our YouTube channel being briefly suspended and given a strike, which is kind of scary, I've also set up parallel accounts at BitChute and Rumble. So right here at the Free America Podcast website, you can go to BitChute and Rumble. You can view either one of those channels. You should also subscribe so that way you know when new videos come out and you will never miss a, a video from Free America Podcast, even if YouTube decides to finally cancel us, which I have a sneaking suspicion that they might because they don't like what we tell you. They don't like all the information we bring you regarding um, the the coronavirus or the vaccine or the pandemic or pandemic scamdemic, whatever you want to call it. They don't like the information we give you about the the election being stolen and all everything that goes along with that. So rest assured, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna give us a third strike very soon and take us off the air there. But you can always go to freeamericapodcast.com website where you will find uh, this episode and others. And you can also go to our, our alternative social media sites as well as these other uh, video sites as well. And you can uh, also, well, you can go to BitChute and Rumble by themselves if you like to and just search for us by um, entering Free America Podcast, all one word, on those platforms. Now, over the past year, let's get out of here real quick. Let me not stop sharing this screen. There we go. Now, over the past year, we've witnessed the greatest transfer of wealth in human history. The net worth of big tech oligarchs like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg have risen astronomically. All the median household income of most Americans and other working class families around the globe has plummeted. And this has been due in large part to the totalitarian actions of state and local governments who, on a whim, have decided who has the right to work and who does not. For decades, policies set at both the state and federal level have eroded the earning power of the middle class by allowing for the exportation of manufacturing jobs overseas and the importation of cheap labor from across our southern border and from abroad in the form of H-1B visas for foreign workers. Now, now, not content with destroying only the middle class, our so-called elected representatives have adjusted their sights to take aim at the working class. Under the guise of keeping us safe from a virus with a 99.97% survival rate, governments at all levels have successfully destroyed what was once a vibrant economy. And just as they had, had done after the in, internally manufactured financial crisis of 2008, big banks and the ultra-wealthy are now swooping in to collect commercial and residential properties for pennies on the dollar further expanding their portfolios and consolidating economic power into the hands of the ever-shrinking group of people an ever-shrinking group of people and institutions. It seems, however, that economically destroying the middle and working classes has not been enough to sate the greed of these oligarchs. Now they have turned their attention to another class of people, the homeless. By playing the heartstrings of millions of Californians, they convinced the state's majority to pass measure, measure HHH in 2016, which will ultimately fleece the population of $1.2 billion and funnel it into the hands of greedy developers who are awarded contracts by the same corrupt politicians whose campaigns they helped finance. 
these same developers then in turn hire consultants who line their own pockets with the majority of the money, leaving only a small percentage of which is used to actually construct housing for the homeless. One such proposed project in Venice Beach, California, estimates the cost for a single 450 square foot unit to be approximately $1.2 million, meaning that the $1.2 billion allocated for the entire state would ultimately house only 1,000 people out of an estimated number of homeless that is quickly approaching 200,000 statewide. So what could be done to protect the most vulnerable among us? How do we stop these criminals from continuing their assault on the pocketbooks of hardworking taxpayers? Our guest today is the CEO and president of an organization that aims to do just that and more. The Intelligence Matters Alliance is a nonprofit 501c3 that operates in conjunction with collaborative partnerships to build housing and educational resource centers aimed to rehabilitate inner city use into early intervention programs through the performing arts learning facilities. So please join me in welcoming today's guest, Dr. Mello Desire. Hello, Dr. Mello, welcome. All right, hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. So excited to have you here. I mean, it, this is just a, a really important and I think perfect time really to, to have you on the show to address this issue because it seems to be spiraling out of control, oh. as, as, as I just mentioned. And so, Again, really, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Can you tell us just uh, to start off with just a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your organization and what you do? Sure. So as a native Californian, um, born and raised here, and I realized as I was growing up um, that there were some issues that weren't aware of. So I am a psychologist, but I work as a policy analyst primarily. So our purpose is to question um, policies and homeless services that didn't have grievance procedures. We actually enforce grievance procedures and facilities so clients can have a way to uh, file a complaint. And I noticed um, that that hasn't happened in the last few years in California, especially in Los Angeles. So um, I became a doctor in 2013, uh, started working specifically in uh, Skid Row where we had a <clears throat> restaurant where we were giving uh, food seven days a week, hot meals, uh, seven days a week. Um, and that's how I got to know the clientele there. Uh, so my personal life, I was going through uh, some domestic violence myself and I ended up in Skid Row at one point in time. And so that's why I was able to follow the money because I realized something was awry in these shelters. Um, they're very disconnected. Um, and yet they're receiving millions and millions of dollars. So starting in uh, 2013, I just started attending city council meetings, um, county supervisors meetings every week for five years straight. And that's how I was able to learn a lot of where the money was going. And one of those red flags was with the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, which is what um, my journey is right now is to expose that major uh, company that is causing the brunt of LA homelessness. And so a lot of people may not know that. Um, so we are Intelligence Matters Alliance. We are an um, initiative that just uh, started coming together, uh, but our, our nonprofit name is the Kingdom Warriors Foundation. We are the ones that actually does homeless outreach and engagement. 
And it's so crucial to be uh, in an engagement team because that's really is what's going to keep the person housed, the homeless person housed. And a lot of the people that have been housed, maybe at one point in time or back out on the street as if they never re received services. So there's a great hole in that capacity where we have to say what services are being provided for the mental health conditions that have been rising for the last decade. Um, so now it's come to a point where there has to be a solution. So I don't really have one specific title, but it's basically problem solver. And that can mean any hat. Currently, right now, we have a huge issue with our laws, with uh, leadership, local leadership. And between the two, we have to establish a new quorum. Um, so that way, people who have been abused or been used by the system are now able to be the ones making the decisions and changing laws. Yeah, that, well, getting getting more uh, community input, especially input from the people who are directly affected by these programs is key, I think, into, into the success of the programs. And really getting getting that feedback is, is important because... Yes. You, you, it's almost as like the same way that you you want to govern. You want to you want to have input from those who have given you the consent to govern them, and this yeah. is no, no different than that. So, well, that sounds that sounds great. Now, it's amazing that you spent so much time, really, um, in in these city council meetings. I don't think a lot of people have had the opportunity to do that, and so learning. Yeah, Right. The thing is, the city council meetings have always been there for over 100 years. Uh, but if we as uh, Los Angelinos aren't aware, um, they change the times and it's not publicized. So those who are really want who want to be in the know are aware of these meetings and city council meeting before COVID hit would meet uh, three times of the week. And the county supervisors meeting would only meet one time out of the week on Tuesdays. So between those days, I would learn a lot of what initiatives that the city and the county would be putting out. Um, I was there for the 2016 uh, Triple H initiative. I was also there for the LA County uh, Measure H initiative, which came out two years ago in 2018. And between these two bonds, um, just want to explain the difference between the two, uh, the Triple H LA City Initiative that came out in 2016, which is a 10-year, $1.2 billion bond, specifically was allocated for building housing, for building structures. And the county came in and said, we need to offer services for those people who are receiving uh, this housing. And that's how Triple A, I'm sorry, that's how Measure H came about. And it's real by, ran by Phil Ansill. He is the CEO of the LA County of Homelessness. Um, and he is one person that has nine people in his department that is over at least $400 million in homeless funding. And you already see throughout the years how that's going um, under his leadership. So Measure H still has not applied with the services that they need for the homeless clients, especially since meth and uh, meth is actually a number one issue of what's keeping the homeless and mental health rising. Yeah. So between the city and the county, they still haven't gotten it right. Well, and this is atrocious. Yeah, the, the state decriminalized using crystal meth. And so yeah. you've got you've got people who aren't being arrested, who aren't being treated 
really is the is the real problem. Right. And so when these when these people go untreated, they're more likely to commit crimes and stay homeless. Even when they're offered the opportunity, I've found in some wow. cases where they they've been given people have been given opportunities to stay in a shelter, but they refuse to do so because they can't do drugs when they're in the shelter. So, oh, Uncle Trevor, go ahead. I want to actually uh, correct that. It's actually the opposite. Oh, oh. yeah. And some, I would say 80% of homeless shelters in LA have something called harm reduction. And this concept is where they allow the person to use their drug of choice to reduce harm. And that really is a backwards concept, but they figured that if they allow the person to freely use, that they will have less inclining to kill or rob, steal for their fiend, but it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It's like an open door. So what's happening, you have people who are homeless that are not engaged in that. And they're just trying to get housing. And this housing is a process. And I'll explain more about that process later on. But this process is can either make or break you. And if you're surrounded by people who are meth heads and there's no accountability because of this harm reduction, it actually is worse than a prison cell. This is what actual clients have been saying. So a lot of them who have been incarcerated for a long time and who are looking for permanent housing, they say they'd rather go back to jail because of the conditions the homeless shelters, especially in Skid Row, are ran. So people need to know that harm reduction is definitely a no-go. And that's one of the things that we need to remove in these shelters. Yeah. That reminds me of a story I heard uh, well earlier last year during the initial stages of the coronavirus outbreak up there in San Francisco, they were looking to get the homeless off the street and they were housing them in hotels. And it turns out that there was a, a, a private group of individuals, this wasn't government funded, thank God, but it was a private group of individuals that were purchasing drugs and alcohol for these homeless people so that they would stay in the hotel rooms and not go out looking to procure drugs and alcohol. So they were having drugs and alcohol delivered to these hotel rooms sure have it's just it's like at what point do we stop with the insanity and start you know doing some common sense make taking some common sense measures to addressing these issues because i mean yeah. the, you know they say that the the road to hell is paved with good intentions and i and i would imagine that these people think they're doing something good by, by accommodating these people and helping to help having them stay in these hotel rooms and not go out and, and, but, and put them I want to let you know that's intentional because uh, Project Room Key started literally uh, in April of 2020 in the beginning of the pandemic. And it was 150 million state dollars. Uh, the federal didn't in, involve in it yet of state dollars that were going into designated hotel rooms specifically to help the elderly and the more vulnerable homeless population in the outdoor encampments to have temporary housing. But it came to a point where now everybody uh, was able to get a room or certain people that were qualified for the room were not allowed. And I realized there was um, 
we had a, a huge investigation that is current right now. Uh, the Mayfair Hotel is one of the Project Room Key sites, and it's located downtown LA. Um, this is a location where you had many of the people, as you said, were delivered, were given drugs to their room, and they had about three OD overdoses there. So it was so um, awful that the Wine Guard Association, they're the ones that actually contracted for the Project Room Key site at that location, just turned a blind eye. They were just dismissive. Uh, the director, Ish Caldwell, uh, was called to answer to why these ODs are happening quite often. And they just throw their hands in the air, like they receive the funding, but they really don't care. And this is why we have to have a derailment from the COC funding, which is called the continuum of care. Continuum of care is the funding determined every state how much money you're getting for homeless services. And LA is the number one continuum of care recipient um, through an organization called LASA. And if they're not dismantled, this bureaucracy will continue to allow this um, eyesore of encampments on every corner. Yeah. I noticed when I was um, back in 20, what was it, 2014, 2015, I started to drive for Uber and Lyft. And over a period of about four years, I noticed a considerable increase in the number of homeless encampments all around Los Angeles because I had the opportunity to drive pretty much everywhere, not just downtown and like Skid Row, but I started seeing encampments pop up in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Uh, in Granada Hills, which is the traditionally, you know, middle class neighborhoods. And, you, you know, you wouldn't expect to see homeless encampments on the street yet. There they were. Yeah. And and I just began to wonder, well, why why is it growing? Why are the number of homeless growing? And where is all this money that we've we've been allocating through these bonds? Where is that going? You know, so so you were telling me and you were telling me before the show that a lot of it's being misallocated and misused. Can you can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. So uh, in 1993, the city and the county were constantly blaming each other for the homeless crisis. So they came up with a third entity, which was called the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority. And this is a joint powers authority, which means that they operate different from a government structure and a private business. So there's a corporation, they're sort of in between. So they are the only entity that receives state, city, county, and federal funding at any given time. And their yearly um, resources excesses at least $1.1 billion. This is 900 million in federal funding and state funding, and then whatever the county and the city throws in afterwards. Now, when this funding comes, 90% of it goes into hiring staff. So Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority in 93 maybe started out with 50 employees, and now in 2021 is well over 500 employees, easy. And what they would do, because there's no accountability, is that they will hire two or three people for a one person's job. So you have all of these caseworkers that are floating around that claim that they are overwhelmed with cases, but yet a lot of these cases are not matched to the caseworkers that are free and liberal. So if 90% of the funding goes to staff, then what's remaining? 10%. And that 10% goes into services and that services is always inadequate. 
always in that, always runs out. They always turn people away. Uh, for example, in SPA 6, the homeless um, COC funders are called HOPICS, H-O-P-I-C-S, the Homeless Outreach um, Integrated Care System. And just like LASA, they receive the same amount of funding every year because they've grown to a proportion where no one really is gonna ask questions. And so between these two entities, you have the same people that are being turned away. And so Heidi Marston, before she became the director of, of LASA, um, she was uh, an Obama administration assistant. So she had the mentality of the Democratic Party already um, where it comes to allowing people to get just enough to keep asking and, and, and to be uh, on support, but they're not going to give you enough to be self-sufficient. And this is incredibly deceptive because what it's doing is that funders or uh, um, investors or people who donate like uh, the Hilton Foundation, um, the Hilton Foundation, they um, are big, big supporters of homelessness for LA County. And they have donated uh, over the tune, maybe $20 million easy uh, for the homeless crisis. And these private funders are not registered when it comes to um, LASA's budget reporting every year. So they can tell you they receive 900 or $1.2 billion, but in actuality, there's at least $500 million that has not been accounted for. So it's a cash cow and everybody knows about LASA, but the public. So when they are blaming Eric Garcetti or they're blaming Gavin Newsom for the homeless crisis. It really is not up to them. It is dismantling the entity that's receiving the homeless funding and people must know the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority are the main culprits because they fund all the shelters, they fund homeless services, they fund, um, they used to give direct services to homeless people, but they cut that out um, about two years ago. So people, homeless people weren't able to get homeless services from the homeless headquarters. And so that's how we they started downsizing and, and, and showing their face so to speak. Um, so now everything is virtual, which makes it 10 times easier uh, for LASA not to respond. They have a toll-free number, 213-683-8300, and it is never available for someone to pick up for services. So who's really gonna dismantle it? We have to dismantle it. And so um, I went to a point where when we had our nonprofit organization and since we started in Skid Row, we had direct knowledge of LASA's outreach and engagement team, which was non-existent. So they had to report every year how many homeless people they engaged with. And that number determines how much federal dollars they get. So of course that number is fudged every year. Mm. So August, 2019, we were invited to actually apply for new project funding as homeless outreach engagement team. And that process we thought was fair. Come to find out that the day before they were gonna award uh, people and we were asking for $100,000 startup costs, which was nothing compared to the services we were giving. We were told by Heidi Marston that we were missing some documents or pertinent information for us to receive the funding. So unfortunately they had to deny us funding, but it didn't end there because they gave us 30 days, according to what she said, to repair whatever deficiencies we may have. Mm. And when that 30 days came up, 
they were nowhere to be found. So we went to the higher chains of lots of commission board to explain the wrong, um, the inaccurate uh, vetting process for funding. And lots of commission board, which was ran by, you know, Sheila um, Kuehl's office, uh, Wendy Gruel, uh, Mitch Kamen, Booker Pearson. These are cream of the crop people that worked in these services for a long time. I remember Booker Pearson telling me right after I explained to him the issue, he said, um, I hear you and I'm sorry you're going through this discrimination. And he walked away. <laughs> It was like no solution, no nothing. So I said, what was the point of, I, I, they realize what's going on. I find that the commission boards on these are, are just air. They are useless. They are like battering rams. They are, they sit there um, as a board to hold accountability for LASA, but then in actuality, they are there not to do anything. Right. And so that was the last resort. We actually took LASA to court. We filed a $44 million lawsuit. Um, based on discrimination. And guess what? The judges was also paid by the same people who paid Lhasa. So you already know what that happened with that trial. Um, it was dismissed with prejudice. And the judge, Barbara Myers, she didn't even read the evidence before her. And so this is also something that we have on video in which we're going to take it to another level. But eventually we wanted to be in front of the Supreme Court because this is a federal issue. And if we are trying to do the right thing as um, law-abiding, tax-paying Americans, we should have the resources to reflect and protect us, especially if we're producing assets for our community. Yeah, there, it's, it's, it, this sounds like something that happens in a third world country. Yeah. You know, this this reminds me of the stories we heard coming out of Haiti with the Clinton Foundation and how they were laundering money through there, siphoning it off and 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 giving very little to the local people. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you, you've got a lot of ex experience in with some of your ambassadors or a lot of them are from from Haiti. Is that correct? Yeah, we actually have a school in Haiti, um, Petionville, and um they uh, were in the Haiti earthquake and suffered through the hurricane as well. And a lot of them were maybe two, three years old at the time. Most of our ambassadors are teenagers and young adults. And so what they have been doing since 2018, uh, Opti, and hi to my kids in Haiti, uh, Opti, they're called Okrana Policy Training Institute. And they have assigned the each of them um, a minister title as if it was running, running the Haitian government themselves. And for two years, they have been working on trying to change the Haitian constitution. And they feel, you know, suffer the same things as well. And if you go to Haiti um, now, you'll see the half built structures that the Clinton Foundation attempted to do before they got uh, a clean getaway uh, of all this money. And so now you have water wells that were never built you have no electricity. Um, they have maybe electricity twice, two hours out of, out of the week. And the capital itself, Jovenel, the president, Jovenel Moise, yes, those are kids. Jovenel Moise, he actually uh, receives funding just like the leadership here and then pockets 90% of that and helps his cronies. So they have electricity in the capital. But the school, which is located maybe five miles away from the capital, the neighboring villages around the capital do not even have 24-hour electricity. And this is atrocious. 
so what the Clinton Foundation did between uh, 2014 and 2017 um, was that they engaged other corporations as well, like the Red Cross, uh, Charity Water, uh, these are people that could have supplement the Haitians as well, but they were included in the free for all that the Clinton Foundation was given. And um, I never mentioned this before, but my uncle uh, used to work for the Clinton Foundation. And unfortunately, they, um, they killed him. And he was killed at a hotel room in Florida the week before he was to testify before the commission board in question of the Clinton Foundation funding. And so there are a lot of skeletons that are, are still uh, unwrestled. And I personally want to see um, Hillary Clinton under the jail if, yeah. if need be. Yeah, these are these are some of the most evil and vile people that that have ever had a position of, of president or, you know, secretary of state in our country. And it's, it's unfathomable, unfathomable. I don't know if I even said that right, but the, just the evil yeah. that these people engage in, including the murder of your uncle and the murder of dozens and dozens of other people. Now, everybody associated with them. I think our, if our viewers and listeners aren't familiar, if you type in Clinton body count in yep. any, any browser, and you'll see a list of the people that are that are tied to the Clintons in some form or another that have, have met an untimely end, whether by murder, by accident, or or suicide. You know, a lot of people were, as they say, suicided um, right. as a result of their relationship with the Clintons. And so not only are they are they essentially raping and pillaging uh, other countries in addition to our own, but now they're also killing people in order to get away with it. And so that's what we've got. And that's what we're facing here is, is big money and these corrupt officials are working hand in hand to essentially fleece the American public and of our, of our tax dollars, which are intended to go to help the homeless. So I'm wondering, you know, aside from, from taking into court, and what kind of actions can can we take? Are you taking to engage directly with the homeless? Well, we are still um, engaging with them as we speak. Uh, we are trying to get a clear census. Uh, so what we do is that we um, we do a questionnaire on the current homeless. Uh, we actually do a accurate count of how many tents there. And lots of what they do, they they take pride in something called the homeless count. A lot of their funding goes in the county of homeless, but they always neglect at least 5,000 to 7,000 homeless individuals. So what we want to do, and it's not easy, is that we have to take it one day at a time, block per block, area per area until we are done. And so we're going to start with the Venice Beach area starting next Saturday. We're going to take a brand new census uh, for this year. As of uh, last year, we counted 167,000 tents with within LA City alone. LA City alone. So wait, I thought there were I thought there were only uh, according to official records or official, you know, tally uh, like in the LA Times and these other publications, mm -hmm. I thought the homeless population was only 60,000. 
Yeah. Okay. That's LA Times. So you already you already said the problem right there. Uh -huh. Real real uh, data. Every time that they count the homeless, make sure you add at least five to seven thousand because that is what we've been doing since 2013. We have floor manpower, and you can't buy that. When you have a dedicated group of people that want to actually do a head count, then we take the time to actually do that because we are the ones that are suffering. And so if we have our own data, and that's one of the things what we need to do in order to um, dismantle LASA is that we have to have a COC database separate from what they have right now. That COC database that's connected to HUD housing and urban development or uh, whatever federal department is the one that has to separate that funding. So they know about the corruption in LA, but they keep funneling these millions of dollars. And so when you're making a report and they still neglect to have another entity to receive at least a quarter of it so we can actually be more effective, that's an actual insult. So we have done the Kingdom Warriors Foundation and Intelligence Matters Alliance. We have done everything in our capacity to really level the playing field so we can uh, receive the homeless funding. And as of last week, what I found out, Gavin Newsom has been tampering with our nonprofit organization. Literally, the Secretary of State told us on Friday that um, Governor's staff had utilized our nonprofit 501c3, so it prevents us from applying for federal grants. And this is a federal offense. So I am so Wait. fed up with this governance. And Wait, the, the governor's staff used your 501c3 number in some form or fashion? That's right. Without your permission, obviously. And now that prevents you from applying for certain grants? Yes, federal grants for housing in particular. Now, and okay, I was going to say, I mean, can, have you reported this to the IRS? Oh, the IRS is part of the problem. <laughs> IRS was who was I was on the phone with that morning. Wow. So IRS told me that the Secretary of State is responsible because we have our, our organization as a California uh, corporation that we have to answer the Secretary of State responsibility. And so they literally brushed me off. And so when I say that I am so done with this governance, that we are intelligent enough to have a brand new system. And that is what I'm looking forward to because there's only certain amount of chances that you can give your governance that you're paying taxes to. There's a certain level of protection that you should receive if they know what you've been doing publicly and housing the homeless is not a secret of what we've been doing. We've been applying for all local grants locally in LA and they were telling us that we had to work with LASA and they know what LASA is doing. So that means they are aware of the discrepancies that LASA is facing, but they're allowing them to operate in that fashion. And so for us to exhaust all the possibilities for us to even try to work with LASA on a, um, on a simple business basic is impossible. It's impossible. So that's why I want to put Heidi Marston on blast. Um, she has to go. LASA has to be dismantled. And once the COC funding is derailed to another organization, it, you, you will see a drastic change. And one of our plans is to build permanent supportive housing with computer automated system. That means a robotic arm. 
And so people say, well, that's going to um, cut construction jobs down. But think about it. When you see the amassed land that we have, everybody can make money. Are you talking about, are you talking about like, um, like 3D printed houses? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a similar form. And there's also a robotic arm. Um, his name is Briscofish. He actually is a USC graduate. And uh -huh. he came up with this um, concept um, maybe nine years ago or so. And so it was presented to LA City Council meeting, I believe maybe six or seven years ago by a city councilman, just on a whim. And just as I said before, just as soon as he brought it in, as soon as they killed it, because they didn't want any solutions to take away from their racketeering. And so um, this year, Jose Huizar was the one that was on the chopping block. And it was almost a miracle that this city councilman was arrested on federal RICO charges. And so nobody has thought that would even happen. But that gives an opportunity for us to say, okay, somebody is holding somebody accountable at least. Uh, even though he uh, pleaded not guilty to 34 counts of racketeering, I don't know how you're going to get out of that, but um, at least it's a start for accountability. But yeah. there's so many more uh, politicians and people in leadership that has to go the same way. Who's who's Who is uh, investigating Jose Huizar? Oh, uh, the FBI? Yeah, it's the FBI. Uh, okay. They're the one that gathered, I believe, maybe four years of evidence at least, he was funneling money to his alma mater, to his uh, high school, I believe. And that's where um, I guess it got. he got caught, him and his wife um, got caught with just too much uh, millions of dollars donations to their school, it was a little too much on a um, city councilman's pay grade. Right. So I guess that's where um, they started sniffing and found it out. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if, if you know, the, the FBI can be directed or pointed in the direction of, of some of this other egregious fraud and racketeering that's taking place at Lhasa and and within our, our other portions of our city and county governments, you know. You're I talking about noise. County supervisors, supervisors, Sheila Kuehl and, and others mm -hmm. uh, are, are, are complicit in this. Absolutely. And, yeah. They're part of the problem. They're part of the problem because I was at the board for five years, as I mentioned, presenting the solutions. And I was doing it thinking that this is a way that they can hear the community issues and fund it. Silly me to think our government would actually work in that fashion. So here I am five years later thinking that why haven't you fund the issues when I've given you guys data specifically for spa six and spa four, which is uh, downtown LA, Hollywood area, and South LA. Those were the highest concentrates of homelessness at the time. Um, but when I was getting no response and afterwards they would say, okay, they'll have somebody come and talk to me. One time, Mark Ridley Thomas at the time when he was district two supervisor came to our event one time when it was a, um, a homeless forum. And he came undercover in a baseball cap and I didn't know it was him. But I guess the fact that I was there every week stating the same thing and saying year after year, um, you guys are not doing anything. And I've been here this amount of time, this amount of time. So I guess when he came out to visit our site, I thought, okay, now is the time that they will, they will give us the funding that we've been requesting. And 
Seven years later, absolutely nothing. And I, now I realize why, because we studied the constitution, we know um, that nothing will change with the bureaucracy that's in place. But a regular person or a regular company or organization may not know that off the bat and they're applying and they're going through this headache. So I went through a lot that I don't want any organization, uh, small business to go through because it's like eating air. It's, it's running after the wind. It's doing nothing if you're going before the same corrupted leadership. So yeah. I propose we do need a new governing everything. And that's yeah. really, really the, the short end of it. But it doesn't seem like we're uh, our votes matter anymore, that these people no. just keep getting in. Yeah. Uh, I believe that the voting system in California has been corrupted for, well, years and years. I mean, yeah. perhaps even decades, because it seems that our leadership never changes. The same people still stay in power. Yeah. Yet nobody is really happy with them. And the and the other half of people are, are either either unaware or just become complacent. And not even interested in voting for them. So it's it's really it's really quite strange. There's there's definitely a racket going on regarding that as well. And we're getting to the point at which we might not be able to vote our way out of this anymore. And no. you know, you're looking at alternatives. I know you were talking about, and I've been working with a group who is in the process of 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 issuing affidavits to these elected officials and yeah. for various reasons uh the reasons that i chose were that they had violated my constitutional rights with regard to these unconstitutional lockdown orders and mask mandates and so forth yeah and in doing so violated their very oath to office to their oath to uphold and defend the constitution and so can you tell us a little bit about your experience working with affidavits and perhaps helping to get these people removed from office? Yeah, absolutely. So I just realized, um, I just found out uh, through a friend named Louise Salomon, um, there's a young lady named Yvette Chambers that's running a Freedom to Breathe agency that focuses on these affidavits, which mm. tells you the constitutional violations that they cause. And so these affidavits are notarized they are stamped on each page. You have to sign across it. You have to really make it official, create monetary value on it. And the person that you are serving has their title, their name. You have your name and your title as well and have that served. And so once that is served to that party, there's 10 days for them to rebuttal. And if they don't rebuttal, that's when we take it to the next level um, to have the service, uh, the sheriff served. So this was a level, um, an event or, um, a way of accountability that I just found out about, uh, last month. So I look forward to serving judge Barbara Myers, especially for her contempt in court of not reading ev evidence, basic evidence as a judge's duty and to have Barbara Ferrer, um, the director of LA County Public Health to be served as well for the unnecessary lockdowns. Um, as a public health official, she should be the one in the gate that says, okay, well, this is what I suggest that LA County needs. Not be a yes man to someone who has no medical experience and are containing a whole population and driving our economy to the ground. Yeah. This is this is unheard of. So I believe these affidavits because paper trumps dialogue, paperwork, paper trail, these affidavits, since they're written 
uh, violations on paper, people can have a clear plan of action of what their rights are. And so very simple six to seven page document with Rick Martin, who uh, from the US Constitutional Lawyers uh, Group, he is the one that actually drafted these affidavits. Brilliant man, brilliant group. And they are not one to play with because they are the few group of people, lawyers, I would say, uh, that is really focusing on constitutional rights. Mm. And if don't focus on constitutional rights, then your the lawyer really has no purpose because they're pledging allegiance to the British Army, which is what the Bar Association stands for. It stands for England. So why we can't find um, accountability for like civil bar rights? Barristers Association of Registry or something along those lines? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it, yeah, when, when these lawyers, they are pledging fealty to the the uh, the royal crown of England and not to the United States and so right. you're right yeah they aren't they aren't operating with our not all of them but most of them aren't operating with our interest in mind they're operating with interest and in, an obligation to a foreign corporation a foreign government right and and so are the courts the courts are actually operating in admiralty, which is the law of the sea. They're not even operating under the law of the land, which right. is the United States Constitution. Maritime, so right? We're we're in a in a heck of a mess. And I will actually, in addition to including a link to your to your organization, I'm also going to include a link to the Constitutional Law Group, so people can yes take a look at that and see what we're talking about, and perhaps reach out to them or, or, or us and find out more about getting involved in conducting these affidavit activities in their own communities and holding their own local leaders accountable. And I really hope that we can take this affidavit activity all the way up to the state level and, of course, ultimately to the federal level and have our you know, Congress people and even the president removed from office for violating their oath to the Constitution. Right. Um, did you? I don't know if you saw this. Someone just brought this to my attention because I, I didn't watch Biden's inauguration, but apparently he he didn't finish his his oath and he took his hand off the Bible before he did anyway. So he didn't even he didn't, he didn't even entirely swear in as president of the United States. Yes. And I, I saw a picture of um, Kamala Harris. She didn't <laughs> even have her hand on a Bible. She had her hand on top of a pocketbook. That was on top of a Bible. And yes. I thought, you know you what? It's, it's probably because that, that demon knew that if she touched a Bible, she'd light on fire. Seriously. <laughs> Woo! Into flames. Yeah. She would have burst into flames. There is so many things awry in that inauguration. So many things. And it's just when something looks orchestrated, it kind of gives you that gut feeling that, yeah, this is not kosher. This, this is not right. But who's to blame? Mass media. They're part of the problem. They're part of perpetuating the, the myth of a governance office of the president-elect, first of all, just didn't sound um, correct to begin with. But what can you do when we are a land of sheep and yeah. uh, we just follow along with the leader? So we have to fight harder in order to make our voices heard, which is what I'm hoping to do February 27th in Venice Beach. So we want to have a huge forum there. 
lots of patriots, um, people who are not uh, drinking the Kool-Aid, so mm. to speak, to come out, uh, guest speakers, music, food, fun, um, whatever, um, uh, or say safe distancing rules they like to apply, we would like that not to apply that day. Yeah. Uh, we need to make a statement and I will be putting my bid um, announcing my candidacy for LA County mayor. And this Which is, is different in- than, than LA, LA city mayor. I want people to make that distinction because we need, like you said, what you were saying earlier, uh, a go between, between the state governor and the County board of supervisors. There need to be somebody over the board of supervisors because they're, they're currently ungoverned. Apparently, yes. And that is a big hole that could be fixed. And a matter of fact, uh, about two years ago, there was a position called homeless czar, homeless czar. This was a position Gavin Newsom announced. And if you could look back, you could look back on an article, send that to you. When he opened this position, that was what I applied for. And I have email uh, receipts for all of that. The moment I applied for that, that's when Mark Riley Thomas, who was my supervisor at the time, him and Gavin Newsom are like two peas in a pod. Uh, they literally are like Batman and Robin. And so this homeless funding, Gavin Newsom came down, I believe in January 2019, a little after he got inaugurated. Um, he came down to LA and that's when him and Mark decided to really look into the homeless funding. So I said, this is great because I did support Gavin when he first was in office. I didn't know what kind of a creep he was afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so when I applied for homeless all, all of a sudden, three weeks later, I kid you not, I looked in the um, Washington uh, LA Times and it stated that the homeless czar position was suddenly canceled. And the reason why it was canceled, they said, Mark Ridley Thomas advised the governor that he didn't need a homeless czar position. That was the reason, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go. That position was suddenly dis- it disappeared. So now we're back to square one to how do we solve the homeless crisis? So this is what I challenge. Since Gavin Newsom likes to use our 501c3 without our knowledge, that the position of homeless czar be reopened And that could be the position that I can take in order to have accountability, not only for homeless funding, but for everything else. And so that is the homeless LA County mayor position, so to speak, that I am uh, trying to create uh, with the help of my with my uh, people, LA County constituents. Sure. There needs to be something where it's a person that's that's there on behalf of the of the public and and of course on behalf of the homeless but you know on behalf of the of the california taxpayer to help administer and oversee these programs like the one you're talking about that takes in almost a billion dollars or well over a billion if you include the federal funding mm-hmm. and 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 essentially squanders 90% of it which is which is illegal which is completely legal i mean i ran a nonprofit for almost 8 years Mm-hmm. And and in all of the grant funding that we applied for, it was made very clear to us that the majority of our of the of the funding needed to go to services. Mm-hmm. So to hear that that these people are able to essentially embezzle a large portion of that and just and just pay themselves for for staff and and other things and executive yeah. salaries is is absolutely 
it's atrocious and it's a, it's a huge waste of taxpayer dollars. But not only that, it's an affront to everybody who thinks that that money that they are are paying into this is going to help the homeless when in fact it's doing anything but. And it's also helping to essentially grow the homeless problem by ignoring it. Exactly. And we have to do our part too. Uh, a lot of us are lazy. A lot of us don't want to read and, and follow up. We we're waiting for someone to tell us what's going on. So we have to take part of, of really finding out what, uh, who is really running the money, who's running the services. And that's why I want to hold these forums uh, to let people know that there are um, literally uh, sources to every problem. And if you don't identify that source, it's just like you didn't care or you didn't exist. So I do encourage people to go to uh, Rick's website, uh, the Constitutional uh, Law Group us um, if you want to learn more about uh, your rights as a citizen uh, anytime you're stopped by police or you have to stand before a judge he actually has some verbiage strictly from the constitution of what you should say uh, to um, let them know that you know your rights and when it comes to homelessness that is something that I definitely want to tackle first and everything else will fall into place once we can grapple um, new leadership for that. So I look forward to that. Yeah, that's what we need. And uh, it's, I mean, it's definitely an uphill battle because you're, you're, you're facing people who have become entrenched in this system, whether by being voted into power or by being appointed by somebody who has been voted into power. And yeah. they've got their their little their little system, their little circle of friends, and they keep each other safe and they keep each other well paid. And so to penetrate that from the outside, as you found, like trying to penetrate it legitimately and apply for, you know, a partnership with them, you found that they just don't they don't want to invite in legitimate organizations to do any real types of work, lest they be exposed for what they're doing, which right. they've done anyway by not allowing you to come in, uh, you know, because then you raise the red flags and you said, wait a minute, where's all this money going? And you found out. And so. To take them down, I mean, it's it's definitely like it, like I said, it's going to be an uphill battle, but it's definitely one worth fighting for. And and it just, I just, I keep thinking back to what you just said. There's 165,000 tents just in L.A. City, right? L.A. City. Yes, L.A. Not City. Not L.A. County. Not L.A. County. We're talking about only L.A. City. These tents have exploded, triple since 20. Uh, the beginning of 2019, I would say the end of 2018, so to speak, that's when it exploded, but it really, uh, they really set up shop in every crack and crevice of highway and byway in the beginning of January, 2019. And this was the year Gavin Newsom was elected governor. So the correlation is, is there, is there Be before he got in there, it was slowly, you know, exploding. But once he got in there, he just let everything go. And it seems like under under democratic leadership that that cities seem to crumble, that yeah. that everything spins out of control. You look at places like Chicago or New York or now Los Angeles or even states that are democratically controlled. And, you know, they 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 talk a good game, but they never follow through. And it seems like now what it what it is, is that they they set up these 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 funds and these services all just to enrich themselves and their cronies. And it's, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking and infuriating all at the same time 
to, yeah. to hear that that at at the end of 2018 and 2019 that that was the number of tents uh, essentially homeless here in, in Los Angeles City and I can only imagine after what we've gone through this last year in terms of people being laid off from their from their employment and having their incomes destroyed and probably have blown through any kind of savings they've had I know I have and now um, unemployment insurance has run out people are on the verge of being evicted I can only imagine what 2020 and 2021 will hold in terms of the expansion of the homeless population here in Los Angeles. So it's it's now it's even more critical that we that we stop these people and and redirect that money towards the people that that desperately need it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was told several times through Lassa's uh, governance that we're not getting any of Lassa's money. And this was uh, told to me by Richard Llewellyn, who is the gatekeeper for LA City funding. Um, he told me this in 2019. I will never forget uh, that homeless uh, engagement meeting. It was um, on the 15th floor of City Hall the last uh, Thursday of every month was the homeless engagement meeting. So that means all of the caseworkers, all of the leads for all the homeless organizations would meet once every month to discuss the new funding fiscal year. And that's where, you know, I felt like a fish out of water uh, because we were qualified, but we weren't in the gang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so it was like a bad after school special. I'm sitting here with these mean girls and they're just, you know, in their corner talking about uh, uh, how they, we're not going to get any funding. It was it was atrocious. But I'm glad that I saw that because many other organizations went through what we went through when we found out that we weren't the only ones going through it. We were just the only organization to take it a step further and actually sue them for it and um to see that our judicial system is just as twisted it it clarified that we really cannot look to local governance for anything yeah now have that, you have you have you sought to form a coalition with some of these other organizations yeah actually we're in the works of doing that as we speak and so rick is um advising us on that so i'm I just so am so grateful for him because um there's a lot of unanswered questions um, things that I've saw that wasn't right as far as the judicial system when we want to try to find answers. And it's just clear that they were there to make money, that the courts are a corporation, that they have a Duns and Bradstreet number. A court that has a Duns and Bradstreet number, they are private corporations. Yeah. And People, people don't know that. They think it's a public entity that's equal opportunity to seek justice. And it's anything but. Yeah. Anything but. So I, I just had my guest on uh, the week before last was a private attorney general who has gone around to over 1,600 judges here in the state of California and disqualified them because they're operating as corporate entities and rather as public servants. And so I found that, I found that. For one, surprising that you could, I didn't know you could actually do that. But two, yeah. I was kind of excited because I learned that, wow, you can actually do that. So you can actually disqualify these people from from their, you know, sitting on their high horse on their on their, yeah. you know, their high, their high perch up there looking down on everybody as if they are the end all be all of of 
of justice here yeah. in the state and in the in the county and the city when in fact they're not they're right. they're not even legitimate entities they are they are corporate entities and right. as such they have no jurisdiction zero jurisdiction and that's what i liked about uh, on constitutional law groups webpage is some of that some of the documentation and the wording that that they were talking about that they that they give you it goes over things just like that to say and you put them in their place and they're like uh, uh I, i've seen <laughs> i've seen it happen i've had other guests on who have challenged judges in that way and mm -hmm. have challenged uh, the united states corporation which is not it's it's not it's not a government it's a corporation it's in all caps right. and 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 as such it's um it is it like i said it's, it's a fictitious entity right what, it's it's not what people think it is this country is not what people think it is and it's time right. and what's great though is that a lot of people are waking up to this and a lot yeah. of people getting to understand exactly what we're facing here yeah and so boy i mean that this you know what this is this is really um kind of unexpected but but fortuitous that all of these things seem to tie in I mean, all of my all of my guests seem to share this same through line mm -hmm. of, of realizing that our country is not what we think it is so it's yeah. so um wow it's it's kind of cool actually to hear that but dig is up so to speak right right uh, right so it was like uh a bad, uh, like I said, a, a, the Truman Show or something that we felt that went awry. And right now, the wakening of people's third eye, so to speak. I don't know. I was speaking in in, in some high level, but yeah. when people are waking up to it now, they have to take action. So we cannot just sit there and and say, oh, wow, really? And then go about our, our daily basis. We have to strike the pan while it's hot yeah. and gatherings such as the one that we want to put together on February 27th is a clear point of action. We are want to announce what data we have found as a people and to implement that plan of action together as a group. And so Louise and many other uh, patriots and volunteers, as we come along there, we're out there. Now we all have to bring that together. And uh, Shiva Bagheri, actually, we met with her the other day. A uh, wonderful lady. She's the um, director of the Beverly Hills uh, rallies. Rally, yeah. Yeah. And so right now, the harassment that she's getting just for bringing people together is clear evident that our rights are trampled on without due process. And so until we say, no, this is enough. We as a collective, if tomorrow we said, we're not paying you any more taxes, do you think they're going to lock all, all of us? <laughs> they don't have enough, they don't have enough jail space. Well, I don't know. They're letting a lot of criminals out these days. So they might, they might have some room for some of us, but not all of us. Yeah. But, sure. Well, yeah, you know but, what? I mean, I, I do whatever I can within, within, within the bounds of, of the law as much as I can to pay as little as I can in taxes every yeah. year you know i do whatever i can to and you know and a lot of people like when i fill out i was because i was working as a well I, I guess it was an employee for several different companies when i was when i was acting i would i would work for several different production companies and every time i would have to fill out a new w-4 and on that w-4 at the bottom of the form where they say fill out this tax and this you know one two three or four or whatever you know number of dependents you have and i was always right exempt exempt because I'm not going to 
give money to to the corporation of the United States of America so that they can give it back to me at the end of the year. I, I'm not a bank. I'm not in the business of loaning money interest free to corporations or anybody for that matter. And mm -hmm. so uh, so I would not pay any federal income tax up front. Now, if for some reason I would happen to owe something at the end, maybe. But mm -hmm. like I said, I would do everything legally within the, within the terms of the law to not pay any tax. And, and for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, I haven't paid any federal income tax legally. Legally. Really? I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to clarify that. So that I just ain't going to matter because I've been, you know, do it. So, so yeah. Um, and I encourage people to do the same. Don't feed the beast. Don't feed the demon that is, is, has its foot on your neck right now. Cause that's exactly what's going on is that they've got us down, especially with this whole, this whole COVID nonsense and these lockdowns and these, these unconstitutional orders that, that decide who can work and who can't it's, right. it, it's total BS. It's total BS. And, and the only way they're going to let up is if you say no, That's no, right. no, enough is enough and stand up and, and take your freedom back. Right. You got to take that power back. That's right. And I don't even put a no. I say a hell to the no. Hell that, to the no. <laughs> you got to, got to make it strong and walk with authority. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I look forward to this crumbling government and we take over um, some real good changes are happening uh, by nature and by force. So yeah. we have advantage of it and that's the name of the game. So, well, there's a, there's definitely a groundswell going on right now. I can feel it seriously. Yeah. A lot of people. And, and that was, that's the one silver lining to this whole thing where uh, since a lot of people aren't working regular, you know, all the time or, or jobs anymore, there's a lot of time for them to organize, to go to rallies, to meet other people, to get together online, to start doing research online, which is what I always encourage my viewers and listeners to do. And I always include links um, in the description section of the show so that people can go and follow up on some of the stuff that we're talking about, which is what we'll do here. And perhaps after the show, I can talk to you about uh, several more links that we can include for people to follow up on, you know, like the constitutional law group and so forth. But um, but that's what's going on is that is that there people have more time now to to organize. And I know there have been several groups that I've been a part of that have been going out to to protest. We've been going out to do, you know, mask maskless shopping, which is our right to do so. We are healthy people. We are not at risk of hurting anybody. In fact, all the studies, so many studies now have shown that asymptomatic carriers cannot transmit the virus to other people, which has always been the case, even with right. any coronavirus, not just this coronavirus, any coronavirus. If right. you don't have symptoms, you can't transmit the virus. It's that right. simple. And so, um, and so and up front, they did this brilliant piece of social engineering of telling people that, that even healthy people can kill you. They can kill you or can kill your grandma. And, and it's just, it was, it's so awful to see how terrified people are of each other. Yeah. You know, uh, and of me and, and of the, man, it's just the way people treat me. It, you know, like I, I went to the post office the other day and the lady was like, sir, you need to step back. She's behind plexiglass wearing a mask more than six feet from me. And she's like, sir, sir, you need to step back. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not sick. I'm not going to get you sick. And mm -hmm. even if I did, you have a 99.97 chance of surviving it. Right, right. 
it's like I it's a culture of fear. I mean, yeah. you can't control the masses if you haven't perpetuated fear of some kind. And that is how this governance have been getting away literally with murder uh century after century, decade after decade. Uh, but this is year, like you mentioned before, this is a year a lot of us are awake, awake, they're awake. And so we want, I want to take the advantage of this time to really um, have the ears of the masses to say, listen up, we all have a right to change laws tomorrow as a collective. If we do not focus on knowing what our constitutional rights are, we might as well die right now. There really is no need to, to, to live because without your sovereign rights as a citizen growing up, God-given free rights, mm -hmm. what is the point of us moving on? Right. And so I want common sense to really kick in. And the work that we have done as far as the homeless information uh, data and what we want to do to change that, we need the masses to hear that so they don't have to constantly blame um, the, the mayor or the governor for something that they know is a private corporation that is funded all through this. Yeah. And so, yeah, so um, intelligence really matters in this case. And that that is what we're all about. No religion, no race, no um, ethnicity, no uh rich, poor, tall, skinny, fat, don't matter. If you don't have the same mindset of wanting to change corruption, then move out the way. Yeah. Not well, way. And, and people need to realize that that government derives its power from the consent of the governed. That's so, right. so if we withdraw our consent, they don't have any power. Exactly. You know, wow. people need to realize that that these public servants, which include judges, police officers, sheriffs, elected officials, they work for us. That's right. They work at our pleasure. That's right. And and we need to remind them of that constantly. They've tried to flip the script on us to make us think that they that we're subjugate to them, when in I fact know. it's the other way around. Yeah. And we're, we're used to it. And that's what I'm saying. We are partially at fault for this chaos that's ensued. Uh, so what we have to do, we just have to, you know, um, have the naysayers uh, step away because they're actually part of the problem. And that's when you'll see truth always will prevail. We are on a path. A lot of things are happening behind the scene that mainstream media is not going to report. We have to realize that. But the information concerning what really happened at the election and what uh, transpired at the inauguration, I believe, is not a closed chapter. So mm -hmm. we have to stay tuned on that. Yeah. Well, that's why that's why I started this podcast, really, was to to dispel the disinformation and the lies put out by the mainstream media, but also present alternative information and new information and truthful and honest information that people aren't getting from the mainstream media and other mainstream media sources. So, and I've yeah. also sought to bring on guests who will further bring to light other truths and dishonest actions of our elected officials in the mainstream media. And, and so that's why it was great having you on the show, because a lot of what, a lot of what you told me here today on the show, I didn't even know after having spoken with you before, prior to this. So, you know, it's, um, it's great that we had a chance to, to, um, 
to cover all this. Now, before we got about, I got about 10 minutes left. Um, is there, is there any other, any other topics around this subject that we haven't covered that you'd like to discuss or any other things you'd like to bring up? Oh, absolutely. Um, homelessness is not the only crisis we have in LA County. You have department of children and family services. And as a youth advocate, um, LA County DCFS is actually one of the most sophisticated child trafficking organization guys as a government. So we have to be aware that our governance in its entirety has failed us. And so we cannot just focus on one aspect. I really encourage people to study the map of LA County, perfect your area, know your area, know the areas um, in LA County that's, a, that's, that's um, an open opportunity and take advantage. There is so much land between Altadena and Lancaster and Palmdale, all that grassy area has been hundreds of acres of land just sitting there. And the Malibu fires kind of brought some of that out and re reset a lot of that. So I, I want us to really encourage on real estate uh, because real estate is the key to really changing everything. And we're looking for uh, real estate investors, philanthropists to focus on the affordable housing CAM method, the computer automated method of building housing. We can build a high rise within weeks rather than months or years really? at a fraction of the cost. A robotic arm, a cam arm ranges between 40 and $60,000. That is the paycheck of one construction worker, easy on a project. So when I say there are alternatives now that we can put forth, we can do it as a collective. And I'm looking forward to really, um, expose all that on February 27th in Venice Beach. Where's that going to be in Venice Beach, by the way? What specific area is that going to be? Uh, well, so we're going to be on Windward um, off Ocean Park and Pacific in that area. Okay. So that is mm -hmm. not a particular building or anything. We're literally going to be at uh, Windward area. Yeah, uh, on the boardwalk there. Yes. And so we will start at 1 p.m. to and it'll end around 6 and we are confirming some guest speakers as we speak. It is literally about a month away. So we have um, some time to get some people who want to join or want to speak. If they are a guest speaker, we invite artists uh, who want to perform. Uh, it's really an open call to positive uh, patriotic uh, movement. And we want to have some fun as well as um, change laws. And that's the purpose of a uh, February 27th event to do and, that. And this is open to people of all political affiliations, right? This exactly. is a, this is, this is a movement of the American people. This isn't about Republican or Democrat or Trump supporter or Biden supporter. It's Not about people who want to take our country back, who see the, the corruption that has infiltrated our governments from local all the way up to the federal level that yeah. want to to take the, their country back and to take their communities back. I like that. That's right. That's right. And and literally, we already have the power. We just <laughs> got to grab it and um, and use it. So this year, you're going to see a lot of changes, um, a lot of accountability that, that uh, L.A. County constituents uh, were been waiting for. Uh, so just stay tuned because uh, we are a group of people that are not going to stop. We are the people. And we are all going to make sure that generations from now that we have at least a fair and decent government. Yeah. Yeah. And, and watch out now. They they might they might label us uh 
terrorist group, you know, that's going around these days. I mean, you, you look like a white supremacist to me. That 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 seems to be the, the impression I get from you is you're you're one of these white supremacist types. Am I right? Yeah, I get mistaken for that white supremacist all the time. I don't know what to do, but keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I just can't believe some of the things that I read in in the newspaper and 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 some of these Congress people calling on the FBI to to have everybody rounded up and put into camps and reeducated and just 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 nonsense, you know. So they the beast knows that it's cornered. Right now, now what the one thing I learned, uh, one 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 of the many things that I learned from a book called The Art of War. Mm. Is that is that you must build your enemy a golden bridge of retreat. Mm. So so now that we've got the enemy in the corner, that's when that's when the enemy is the most dangerous is when they're cornered and they don't have any way out. So what we need to do is build them a golden bridge of retreat. So offer them the opportunity to to essentially bow out gracefully. That's right. You know, and say, hey, look, you know, yeah, bye bye. You're gone. Uh, we we know we know what you're up to. We know what you've done, and that's yeah. okay. Uh, you're lucky that we're, we're not going to hang you up in the gallows. But yep. you know you need to you need to get on stepping on down the road. Maybe move to another country because we're doing things here a little bit differently. We're doing things the way our founding fathers have intended for us. Yes. To- and I must say, you know, as an African American woman, there are certain things that um, we weren't privy to. And I've realized, even going through this funding discrimination, that I was told because I wasn't um, a Hispanic contractor, we were not able to ha- uh, to take part of these contracts. This is what's told to me. Um, really. Chase Bank Director. And that's when I realized, okay, this is definitely not right. Why would they feel comfortable to tell me something like this? But because I probably went as far as to find out for myself, why aren't qualified smaller organizations able to do this? Why aren't they able to build housing? And I realized these stops that I was going through is exactly the reason why. But now that I know, I'm not going to sit there and be a fool twice, right? So I want to uh, expose all that and say, listen, we're not taking this line down. We all have a right because you guys are not doing a good job, apparently, in housing the homeless. You have no right to take away the opportunities we have for the solution. And they always say they don't want their cash cow to, to be removed. So I noticed that in the Constitution that even though... I am free, that I am no longer a slave. In areas like this, in contracting opportunities, there's still blatant open discrimination yeah. that, that according to law, protects the people who are oppressing. And so this is what I want to say You know, this year, that we need to expose that and, and get rid of it once and for all. I, I just can't believe what you just said, that, that they... They, they discriminate against against you because you weren't Hispanic. So it would be like yeah. it would be like I, I, this is the same thing that happened, and it's probably happened even past the you know the '60s and the whole civil rights movement, where someone a black person would go into a bank and say, "I'd like a loan." Well, sorry, we can't give you one because you're not white. They wouldn't say it outright. They wouldn't say yeah. it to your face, but they wouldn't give you a loan because because you're African American. But yeah. but to have this person come out and say to you point blank, "We aren't going to give you the money because you're not Hispanic," I, I just. Right. What? 
And they asked me to change my NAICS code, which was 925120. And that's actually urban uh, development. That's actually community uh, building. And they, IRS took that NAICS code out of the equation two years ago when we applied for it. So this is what I'm saying. We are, we are pretty much well known when it comes to contracts and housing the homeless. The thing is, it's evident that they don't want to solve the problem. So what's the best way to hold the organization down is to throw darts at it. So you're missing this in your application, or you got to come back here, or and then when you go back with with whatever they're saying is incorrect anyway, they're nowhere to be found. And so that's when I realized there's no way I can consciously go through this contracting process with all of these obstacles that haven't been answered for a Chase Bank director. And can I say her name? Because I go ahead. Yeah. Okay, Adrea Luna. Okay, from Vermont. Avenue Chase Bank. I am appalled that you felt comfortable enough to not only stop us from building housing by making that derogatory comment, but I want her held accountable as well. And this is only the beginning after we're done with these affidavit processes that we have other alternatives and we need to have social media as an aspect. We need to have public forums. These are really our only um hope so to speak to be consistent so everybody can know the real deal and that's what we're hoping to accomplish this year with intelligence matters great that that sounds excellent i mean this this stuff needs to be exposed it needs to be yes. brought to the public's attention and 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 the issue needs to be resolved and you've you like you said you've tried through all the proper channels right to not only apply for, for these grants and these monies, but also to get legal uh, uh, relief from the the illegal activity that's taking place around these. And, and everything you've done up to this point has been rebuffed and you and haven't had the opportunity to have any type of, of relief or, well, yeah. any help at all. So it would seem that left with very few options what you're working with or these affidavits and then also ultimately just public awareness of this so i hope that in some way we are able to help make the public further aware through your appearance on this show and of course we'll be sharing this with other people across different social media platforms and also we'll send you a link so that you can share as well but um i want to thank you for for coming on the show today and and spending some time with us and informing us and really it really was uh, quite amazing to hear exactly what is going on because i had no idea so i really do appreciate you thank you so much well thank you for having me nick and i look forward to working with you in the future absolutely likewise and and tell us once more the the website where people can learn more about your organization sure. So they can go to intelligencematters.academy, intelligencematters.academy. Our IG is imattersacademy, because uh, every day we're in school. This is an academic learning environment uh, being on the street. So if you want to join us or submit a business proposal, an idea, we have options on intelligencematters.academy, because civil rights is a human right, and we got to make it into law. I love that. That's great. Okay. Thank you again, Dr. Mello, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Take Finally. care. Bye. Great. Wow. That was um that was definitely an enlightening
experience uh, listening to Dr. Mello and to, and, to, and to learn exactly what is going on here in the city of Los Angeles. I had no idea just how large the homeless population was here because I've been told and, and have read in, in publications like the Los Angeles Times, which is apparently nothing more than a propaganda mouth for the government, propaganda piece, that there were roughly 60,000 homeless here. So it's far worse than any of us had imagined. So anyway, that is our show for today, folks. And as always, I hope we left you entertained and a little more well-informed than when you started your day. Once again, I would like to thank our guest, Dr. Mello Desire, for all of the hard work that she and her organization are doing to address the homelessness crisis. And again, you can also learn more about her organization by visiting intelligencematters.academy. You will also find a link to her site in the description section of this episode, as well as on the show notes section for the audio version of this podcast. I'd also like to thank you, our viewers and listeners, for tuning in. And once again, if you enjoy what we're doing here at Free America, please head over to freeamericapodcast.com and show us a little love. You can also find this episode and others wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And while you're there, please be sure to leave a kind word and a high rating if you like our show. So for now and the foreseeable future, I'm Nick Yaya. Stay free, America.